Good morning, 1910. Today, we're gonna hear from Keith Storm. Keith Storm is a certified marriage counselor. He's certified with the John Maxwell leadership team, but his greatest qualities are his wife, Angie, and his three kids. Hey, this guy's so awesome. He's even a granddad. Listen, I've known Keith for several years now. He's a joy to have in this house today. He's from Oklahoma. Don't hold that against him, but let's stand our feet right now and give a big Texas 1910 welcome to Keith Storm. It is such a privilege to be with you. So this is week two of Bald Preachers in America. All right. You know, such an honor to be here with you. I'm so grateful that pastors Angie and Jason invited me to come share with you guys. And we want to welcome all you guys and gals online to the service here this morning as well. What a joy to be here. In fact, let's take 15 seconds. And let's just thank and praise God for giving you guys such amazing pastors as Jason and Angie. They are just the best of the best. You know, when I talk to Jason, he goes on and on and on about what just amazingly gifted and talented and intelligent this congregation is. Oh yeah, okay, so we got it, we're there. So I came up with a quiz that I want to give you this morning to just test myself. I understand you guys like audience participation, so we're going to do that. So here's my first question. How many of you have heard me speak before, or this is your first time? No doubt, Jason, you're watching at some point, these people are sharp. Okay. I'm going to ratchet it up just a little bit, okay? Just a little bit. You have to think about this one. How many of you, show of hands, how many of you are a mother or have a mother? (laughs) Hands down, you guys are absolutely incredibly gifted, sharp, intelligent, and everything else beyond that. As we continue the Live Out Loud series this morning, I want to spend a few minutes talking about living out loud with your family. I want to first of all tell you about the great disqualifier that's actually the qualifier for me to share with you on living out loud with your family. I'm actually a native Texan, born and raised in Grand Prairie, Texas. I know Jason said I was from Oklahoma, but born and raised in Texas. My grandfather and father were in the European motorcycle business, and then in 1974, my dad spun off and started a John Deere dealership. So really raised up in the John Deere business. All the advantages and disadvantages that come with being in an entrepreneurial family self-employed. When I was 15 years old, I gave my life to Christ. And then at summer camp that summer, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God had called me to ministry. So I went and got my undergraduate degree in theology. 
I got married right out of college and then went to seminary. So I was going to school. I was working at a church. I was working a job and then working another part-time job on top of that. I was incredibly successful at everything I was doing except the one thing that was most important in my life and ministry, and that was my spouse. Because I neglected to spend the time and energy that was necessary to have a great marriage, one Saturday she came to me and said she wanted a divorce. So when, when I went home from work that Saturday, the furniture had been cleaned out. I had a Kentucky Fried Chicken spork and napkin on the counter. I had mattresses on the ground in the master bedroom in my library. I went and laid down on those mattresses and I asked God to take my life. I was a complete and total failure. As clear as God has ever spoken to me, never in an audible voice, but as clear as ever, he said, Keith, get up. You're just about to live. And I said, well, God, I just told you I don't want to live. I want you to take my life because I'm an old, utter and total failure. He said, no, get up. Said, okay. So I got up and we started walking. He said, you really are, you're just about to live. Lock arms with me and we're about to start. You know, brokenness has a way of changing the way you see the world. Brokenness has a way of making you a whole lot less judgmental and a whole lot more compassionate. It's from the scar tissue that I have in my soul from that event in my life that I speak to you this morning about living your faith out loud, first of all, with your family. Father, this morning we pray that your Holy Spirit would just move and minister. Father, we pray that you would convict us, convict our hearts. Lord, may we live out loud. May we live our faith so loud that it speaks. But Lord, may we first and foremost live out loud with our families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's dive in. Step one, I'm going to give you five steps to live out loud with your family. Step one, you've got to know who you are. Brian Harbour in his book, living above the crowd, tells the story of a little boy that was born in eastern Tennessee. He didn't know who his father was. And back then, when you didn't know who your father was, you were ostracized. So Ben had a terrible childhood. At the age of six, they enrolled him in school. All the other children had their desk. Ben had his desk. When all the other children would go out to the playground, Ben would stay inside at his desk because none of the other children were allowed to play with him. 
All the other children, when they went to lunch, ate lunch together at their table. Ben ate lunch at his table. Terrible childhood. When he was 12 years old, he heard about a new pastor that had come to town. That when this pastor spoke to you, he made you feel like you were the most important person in the world. Ben decided to attend that church. What he would do is he would go late, leave early. That way there was no chance of anybody asking him any questions that he didn't want to answer. Well, five or six Sundays into this, Ben got so mesmerized with the message, he lost complete track of time. The final amen was said, and Ben turned to leave, and the aisle was full. As he was trying to maneuver and make his fast escape, he felt a hand on his shoulder. And he heard a voice ask a question that he hoped that no one would ever ask. The voice said, whose boy are you? And the church got deathly quiet. You could have heard that proverbial pin drop. And then the voice said it a second time. Whose boy are you? As Ben stood there in utter fear, paralyzed, he turned and saw the face of the pastor. And the pastor broke into a slight grin and then a huge smile. He said, I know whose boy you are. And the whole church leaned in. I know exactly whose boy you are. The family resemblance is unmistakable. You, my son, are a child of God. Amen. Now go see to it that you live up to it. He said that was the day I was elected governor of Tennessee and then later reelected. That was the day that I'd gone from the child of an unknown father to a child of the king. That was the day that Ben Hooper came to life when he realized who he was. So who are you? You and you and you and you. You are all children of the king. Now go see to it that you live up to it. When John the Baptist baptized Jesus, Jesus came up out of the water and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. God speaks that over each of you as his children. Every single one of you are his sons. Every single one of you are his daughters. And he speaks over your life every day. You are my son. You are my son. You're my daughter. You're my daughter with whom I love. And I am well pleased. Let that soak into your soul. Because you've got to know who you are in order to live faith out loud with your family. Dr. Joyce Brothers says, you cannot consistently perform in a manner which is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. Some of you have tried to make changes in your life. You've tried to make changes in your family, and it 
did not stick. Why didn't it stick? It didn't stick because you didn't change the picture of who you are. You can't consistently perform in a manner which is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. Until you see yourself as God's son, until you see yourself as God's daughter, you'll never be able to consistently perform in a manner in which you are his son and you are his daughter. You've got to know who you are in order to live out loud with your family. Step two, in order to live out loud with your family, you've got to lead your family spiritually. Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Folks, the enemy's plan is laid out. His plan is to steal, kill, and destroy you and your family. There's a spiritual war that's going on. It surprises me when people are surprised that there's a bunch of chaos and crazy things going on in the family because the enemy has already told us clearly there's a battle plan for him. I want to steal, I want to kill, and I want to destroy. If he can destroy you as a mother, if he can destroy you as a father, you have no spiritual influence, which is the most significant influence that you can have on your family. So don't be surprised. We're in a battle. But we know who wins. <laughs> so let's act like we know who wins. Let's quit being so gloomy and loomy and let's act like we know that we're a child of the king and we win. You win spiritually. So Keith, what I do to lead my family spiritually? I'm gonna give you three things to do. Number one, family devotion and prayer time. Now, I have three kids. Can we get to a picture of my family? I'll introduce you to my family right quick. I have three boys. Now listen, when you have three boys, your family devotion and prayer time, it's more like a circus, a WWF wrestling match, a burping contest, other gas contest. It's all that. But we can't get legalistic about it. You've gotta have the time. So there's the family. My smoking hot, sizzling hot monogamy, wife, Angie, in the white, holding the most precious grandchild, granddaughter in Oklahoma. I'll leave Texas for one of you guys. On, the far, on your far left is my oldest son, Cameron, 32 years old. He's the warrior for good. Next to him is my middle son, Blake. Blake's 27. He's the warrior of light, and he's married to that beautiful lady inside and out, that Skylar. And on the other end is my youngest son, Grant. He's 22, and he's the warrior of joy. That's our family. I'll be talking about us throughout this message, so I want you to be able to see who they are. And they are incredibly beautiful and handsome because I married that. So, good for me. 
So family devotion and prayer time, you can't get legalistic about it. You've got to be, you know, age appropriate. And also there are times when our family devotions and prayer times, they were, they were like three minutes. There were times they were 30 minutes. And there were times that they were three hours. But none of that happens unless you lay the foundation and you create the activity of having that moment every day with your family. You've got to lay the foundation of that with your children. So when I say don't be legalistic about it, you've got to have fun, age-appropriate stuff. So we did everything from, uh, you know, where people just pray, like we all pray for each other. Yeah, that's kind of common. We did word prayers where everybody says one word and, you know, the next person says just one word. You got to make a prayer together. We did, one of the kids would hit like a, a b-box. We'd start rapping. We would do rap prayers, which were hilarious. We would stand on our heads against the wall and pray standing on our heads. Teach your kids that serving God is fun. It's not a drudge to serve God. It's fun. It's the most fun thing that we can do. But you've got to lead your family and lay that foundation spiritually with your kids. Number two, you've got to pray with your spouse. When I do this with men... It's one of the most difficult things I challenge them to do is pray with their wife. Let me tell you why. And you women know this, but I'm going to say it out loud. Men cannot stand two things. We can't stand the thought of being inadequate, and we can't stand the thought of failure. And if we feel like we're inadequate or we fail at a soul level, it's, it's almost unbearable. But I'm going to teach you guys this morning how to pray with your wife. So men, if your wife's here with you this morning, I want you to place your hand on her shoulder. And I want you to repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for my wife. Bless her. Amen. That's it. See, you guys are thinking to be like, oh, thou hast, Lordest, almightiest of the heavens and the earth. Hey, keep it simple. Keep it simple. You'll be amazed at what the Holy Spirit does in your marriage. Women, I'm going to give you a chance to return favor. If your husband's with you, put your hand on his shoulder. If he's not, you can just practice. Put it out there in the air. All of you online, do the same thing with your spouses. If they're not right there with you, just put your hand out there. Ready? Here we go. Jesus, thank you for my husband. Bless him. Amen. That's it. You know, it seems simple, but let me, let me show you a statistic of what happens when that happens. Couples that attend church together and pray together, the divorce rate is 1 in 1,105. Man, I'll take those odds. What are the average odds in America? 50-50, right? You can take it from... 50%, one and two, to one and 1,105 by two things. Attend church together and pray together. And guys, I just gave you the prayer. So tonight when you go home, put your hand on her shoulder and repeat that prayer. Ladies, if you choose, you can do the same. But men, 
I put it in your hands because you're the head, you're the leader, you're the one to initiate leading the family spiritually and to initiate praying with your spouse. Third thing to do, pray with your children individually. Yeah, I talked about our our devotion prayer time together, but after that, I'd always go to each son's room and pray with them individually. You've got to have that time with them one-on-one, praying for them, praying over them, blessing them. Your children have to have the security, the security of your spiritual leadership in the home. They have to know that they're covered, that you've got them, and that you're praying for them and you're for them. Step three in living your faith out loud with your family. Give your spouse second priority. It's Jesus one and it's spouse two. Ephesians chapter five. Picking up in verse 25 to 27. Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Radiant glowing, shining, beaming. Men, how radiant is your wife? My grandfather taught me that the measure of a man is found in the countenance of his wife. I think that was his way of telling me, son, the measure of a man is found in the radiance of his wife. Men, look at your wife. How radiant is she? How glowing is she? How bright is she? How beaming is she? You've got a lot to do with that. I can learn more about an individual with five minutes with their spouse than two hours with them. I was working with the president of a company in Dallas several years back, and he was telling me basically how great he was, all of his accolades, all the positions he held in church and what he did this, what he did that, but something in my spirit just didn't check right. So what I do, I ask if we could have breakfast with he and his wife. He agreed. Angie and I drove to Dallas. We went to the breakfast location. We got there early, we got our table, they drove up. He got out of the car, walked to the restaurant door. He opened the restaurant door for himself to go in. Who do you think opened the door for her? She did. He starts walking in the restaurant to the table. Where do you think she was? Five steps behind. He pulled out his chair and sat at the table. Who do you think pulled out her chair? She did. What do you think her countenance looked like? How radiant do you think she was? Heartbreaking. 
the antithesis of radiant. Because he didn't have his spouse as number two. That's God's daughter. That's God's daughter that he gave you to love, to cherish, and to make radiant. Men, we've got to build our wives the same way that Andrew Carnegie built his employees. He had 43 millionaires working for him at one time. You say, that's no big deal. The guy had a lot of money. He did. But he said none of those people were millionaires when he hired them. He developed every one of them to where they had so much value that that's what they were worth. So they all made over a million dollars. He said, but you people don't forget how I develop people. I develop people the same way you mine for gold. When you go into a gold mine, you remove tons and tons and tons and tons of dirt to find just an ounce of gold. But when you go in there, you're not looking for dirt. You're looking for gold. Some of you guys, when you were courting your wife, you did not even know that dirt existed. You didn't even know that dust existed. All you found and focused on was gold because you were just hoping that the moment you popped that question, she would say yes. And some of you gals didn't know that dirt existed either on your husband because you were doing everything you could to focus on the gold so he would ask you that question. But then once you guys came into the relationship and time started passing, you guys felt like and feel like you're living in a dirt mine, not a gold mine. All you're doing is picking up little pieces of dirt and dirt clods and sometimes you're picking up gigantic clods of dirt and heaving them at each other. And, and the whole time, God is saying, that's my son, that's my daughter, and it's a gold mine, and you're not even focused on it. You have got to put your spouse in position number two. Purdue University study tells us this, it takes five positive interactions for every one negative to have a healthy relationship. In other words, folks, it takes five pieces of gold for every one piece of dirt. What's the ratio look like in your relationship with your spouse? What are you mining for? What are you focused on? Five pieces of gold to every one piece of dirt to have a balanced relationship. The University of Nebraska tells us in a study, the number one reason for a healthy marriage is time together. However, the average couple spends less than four minutes in meaningful conversation. Research tells us we need 20 minutes a day connecting at a heart level with our spouse. Now folks, our boys 
know and they knew growing up that Angie was clearly number two. They knew that I was going to take Angie on dates every week and they were not going to go. They knew that I was going to take Angie on at least one trip a year and they were not going to go. They know that the front seat in our car is the queen's seat and that's where she sits and they do not. They know that the door to that car is never opened by the queen's hand. There's always my hand or their hand that opens up the door to that car. They know that she is the queen. They know that she is number two. Our boys never had a problem talking to my wife rude or in any way that was anything less than acceptable. And the main reason that they did that is because I did that. Some of you that your children talk to your spouse in a way that you think is not acceptable need to first ask yourself this question. Are my lips giving them permission to do that? Your children may fail to follow your mouth, but they will never fail to follow your feet. Let me say that again. Your children will never fail to follow your feet. Okay? It's what you do that you give them permission to do. How would it feel to live on the other end of your mouth? How would it feel to live on the other end of your actions? How would it feel to live on the other end of your attitude? Men, what does your wife's countenance say about you? Step four, living out loud with your family. Give your children the security of being third. Children were not meant to lead the family. Children were not meant to make decisions for the family. When a child learns at a young age that the world does not revolve around them, they don't expect it so much to when they get older and turn into adults. But you've got to give them the security of being third. Our kids knew when I came home from work, even when they were small, you know, when, you're, when your children are small, they come up and you walk through the door and they're hugging on the lead, daddy, daddy, glad you're home. And I would pat them, but I would go straight to Angie. And the first thing I would do was kiss her and hug her. And then I would kneel down and I would kiss and hug the children. Jesus first. Spouse second, children third. We also did what we call couch time. So after greeted everybody and we got things settled down, 
Angie and I would go to the couch. We would sit down and we'd spend 20 minutes debriefing our days with each other. And the children could not interrupt us unless it was a absolute emergency. And when you do couch time, you actually have the children in the living room. They're playing in the living room, but they are not interrupting you because your children need to see the fact that mom and dad communicate extremely well with each other. Mom and dad love each other so much that they're going to take the time to pour into each other before the children. We ask our kids as adults, what are things that you're definitely going to do with your family that we did with ours? We talked about couch time. And they said, you know, the thing about couch time is that we never, ever even slightly wondered if you and mom were going to divorce or not be together. We saw you guys communicating together every single day. And even small children, they didn't know how to equate that. But what they knew as small children was that mommy and daddy loved each other. Mom and daddy spent time together. Therefore, there was no fear of mommy and daddy not being together. This is an exercise we've given to couples. We've seen more families changed through spouses praying together and husbands and wives doing couch time than anything else. You'll be amazed at even some behavioral type issues that children have that will cease when they, when they see mom and dad, the commitment they have to each other at a heart and soul level doing couch time. So the second thing I'll throw just for, this wasn't even in my notes, this is for free. I did it first service. We also did what's called an interrupt rule. So some of you have small children. When our kid, when we were in public or we were ever talking to someone else, you always hear parents say, don't interrupt, don't interrupt them. Well, give them a tool, right? Don't tell your kids not to do something without giving them a tool on what to do with it. So we did what was called an interrupt rule. So if we're talking to someone else, our kids needed us. They would come up and put their hand on our arm We would then take our hand, place it over their hand. That says, yes, I know you're there. I love you. You're important. You're significant. You're my child. As soon as I break sentence, I will address what you need. And it's called the interrupt rule. And it works fantastic. But it also lets your children know their position. So make your children number number three. It is the most secure place that they can be. It's their place they're meant to be in the family. So time with your children. We are so pulled from every direction for time, time, time. People need you this. People need you for that. But you've got to make sure that you give your spouse and your children the best that you have. You've got to make sure that you take care of them first. There was a granddaddy and his granddaughter that were walking down the beach of the ocean. And every now and then, the granddad would reach down and pick up a starfish and just chunk it back in the water, and they would keep walking. The granddaughter said, Granddad, I got a question for you. There are literally hundreds of those starfish up and down the shores. And you know what? Even around the world, there are millions of them. You can't save all of them. So why do you even bother? That granddad was a wise man. He knelt down and said, come here, honey. And he says, granddaughter on his knee. And he reached down and he picked up one more starfish and he tossed it in the ocean. He said, you know, you're right, sweetie. 
I can't save all of them here and I can't save all of them around the world. But to that one right there, it made all the difference in the world. Your wife, your husband, your children, they've got to be the first that you give life to. No matter what else is pulling at you, you've got to give life to them first. About 15 years ago, I was at a funeral of a young girl that was in college. And as I was sitting there, the Lord spoke to me and he said, who's on the front row of this funeral? So I looked up there and I said, well, it's her parents, it's her siblings. I said, really, it's, it's, it's the people that she's closest to. That's who's on the front row. He goes, absolutely right. He goes, from now on, I want you to live your life by the front row principle. Every decision you make, first and foremost, is how will it impact the people that will sit on the front row of your funeral? Because so many times every day, we make decisions about people that may be on the last row of our funeral or more than likely won't even be at our funeral. And we leave those on the front row, washed up on the shore, without us giving them life. The average parent spends less than 45 seconds a day in meaningful conversation with their children. Wow. You say wow, but no, true. 45 seconds a day in meaningful conversation because most of our conversation with children revolves around this. Did you do your homework? Did you brush your teeth? Did you take a bath? What'd you eat for breakfast? What'd you eat for lunch? Did you practice violin? Did you practice dance? Did you practice football? Did you practice? That's what it revolves around. You've got to have meaningful conversation with your children to connect with them at a soul level. Well, it just happens I'm going to give you 10 questions per slide to ask your children. It's too small to take pictures of up here, but I will, I will get them to you guys and available. So 20 questions to ask your children for conversation starters to get you beyond that 45 seconds. I'm gonna call out a few of them. Some of them you'll go, I'm not sure I wanna ask that. That's probably the first question you need to ask. How do you know I love you? Would you say I'm a bad, okay, or good listener when you talk to me? Do I make your mom or dad happy or sad? Do we fight too much? What are some areas where I can improve as your mom or dad? How often do we spend time together? Do you wish we spent more time together? Would you say I'm better at giving compliments or criticizing? Am I fair when I discipline you? How often do I hug you? Do I hug you enough? On a scale of one to 10, do I good, do a good job of getting to know your friends? Do you trust me in everything? Have I broken any promises to you? If so, which ones? Do I treat you and your brother and sisters equally? What's the most fun thing we've ever done together? What's the one thing you wish I would stop doing? What's one thing you wish that I would keep doing? What things would you like me to learn? What things would you like to learn from me that I have not taught you yet? If you could change our relationship in any way, how would it be? Have I helped? Have I helped you over the last couple of months? And how can I help you more? 
What do you want most from me? And what do you wish I would say more often? You can grab one or two of those and you can start tonight of building that, continue to build out that relationship with your children. Okay, step five of living out loud with your family. You gotta have fun and you gotta create memories. You've got to have fun. Let me ask you a question. How fun are you? No, really, really, how fun are you? Would you wanna be with you? When you think of having fun, do you think of spending time with you? Well, all of you have that fun factor in you. God has designed and created every single one of you with a fun factor, but some of you have lost it because you haven't used it in so long. I'm gonna show you just a few slides of some of the fun and creative things that we've done and ways that we've created ministries. First of all, we do a fun Christmas card every year. And this Christmas card, <laughs> obviously this is when Billy Bob teeth were really fun. But we do cards every year. Everybody always wanted the Storm's Christmas card. When's it coming out? When do we get it? And what in the world are you guys gonna do? We just had fun. This is the next Christmas card we did. We just went to a motorcycle shop and we actually started just putting on all their gear and their helmets and everything and started taking pictures. Just, just in the middle of the motorcycle shop. And there we go. So we have a Christmas card just wearing motorcycle gear. The next picture, one Thanksgiving, we're sitting around and Angie says, you know what? I haven't toilet papered a house in years. And I go, what a terrible parent. I've never taught my kids how to properly toilet paper a house. So we go to the store, we load up the car with tons of toilet paper, and we go destroy our neighbor's house. And now, every one of my kids know how to properly unroll it, make sure it's hanging about three feet, the way you hold the roll, the way you release it to get it to unroll as it goes up over the top of the tree and makes its way all the way down. That is good parenting. That is good parenting. <laughs> So we've done other family things to create moments and memories. Uh, the next picture is our family crest. So this family crest that we created, my son thought it'd be a great idea for us all to get it tattooed on us. I'd never had a tattoo in my life. I went first, because I'm the dad, right? <laughs> I wanted to cry so bad, <laughs> but I didn't. So we all have our family crest tattooed on us. I do ceremonies with the boys, ceremonies as they grow up. The picture I'm gonna show you is one where you see they all have their William Wallace swords. Uh, scripture says the Lord is a warrior and we're all made in his image. So I asked the, the God to give me all my son's warrior spirits and, and you heard me introduce them that way. You have my oldest son, Cameron. I said, he's the warrior for good. My middle son, Blake, he's a warrior of light. My youngest son, Grunt, Grant, Grant, Grant Storm. <laughs> my old, youngest son, Grant, he's a warrior of joy. So they get their swords after they graduate high school before they go to college because they are now the tip of the spear themselves as they go to pierce darkness. So the warrior sword has their, real, their full name and their warrior name uh, engraved on the blade of the sword. So just things that we do with our family to have fun and create memories. So lots of contents more, lots of, lots of things I delivered to you. So, so where do you start? Where do you start? Well, 
we start where, where David did. It's said that David was asked, that uh, Michelangelo was asked, when you created David, how in the world did you, did you create David out of that piece of marble? And it's said that Michelangelo, his answer was this. I didn't create Michelangelo from the piece of marble. Michael, Michael uh, David was there the whole time. And all I did was chisel away everything that wasn't. So David was already there. Michelangelo just chiseled away everything that wasn't. Everything I've told you this morning, you know, you're God's kids. But your lives have taken on many things that need to be chiseled away. Because you know what? They're not. They're not who you are. The way that you talk to and treat your spouse at times, that's really not who you are. You've just got to chisel away everything that's not to get to what God has created and intended you to be. So this morning, some of you may need to start at the very start. And that is accept Christ as your Savior and become a child of the King. So if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you need to do that this morning, that's your starting point. I want to ask you simply just to lift your hand. Say, Keith, that's me. I, I just, I need step one. I just need to accept Christ as Savior this morning. I need to understand who I am completely in Him, become His child. Or maybe here this morning, you're already a believer. You're already God's child. You're His son. You're His daughter. But, you haven't been leading your family spiritually. And you need to recommit or commit to leading your family spiritually. So if you're here this morning and you need to commit or recommit to really leading your family spiritually, would you just lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Awesome. All right. Some of you husbands and wives, boy, when I talked about slinging dirt, it hit way too close to home. All that precious gold that's in the heart of your spouse. You haven't even seen it. You haven't been trying to discover it. You say, Keith, this morning I need to commit or recommit to really making my spouse second priority. It's Jesus and it's my spouse. I need to make that commitment to really loving, caring, nurturing my spouse the way that God designed it to be. If that's you, just lift your hand. God, Keith, I'm going to recommit to my spouse number two. Awesome. So good. All right. Kids number three. Some of you allowed your kids. Some of you have allowed the tail to wag the dog. And it doesn't work. 
Some of you need to give your children the security of being number three in the family relationship. If that's you and you say, yeah, Keith, this morning, I need, I need to put my kids in proper order. I need to put my kids in number three for their security and so they can grow the way they need to and they're designed to in God's plan. If that's you, you need to commit or recommit to that with your children. Awesome. So good. So good. And last, it was number five. Fun, baby. Fun. Creating memories. How many of you say, you know, Keith, boy, that really hit hard. We have not laughed as a family in a long time. And I'm talking that laughter. You laugh so hard that your stomach hurts when you're just begging to stop. You know what I'm talking about, right? And I hope you laugh so hard that you even pee in your pants. That's when it's really good. How many of you say, you know, Keith, that's, it is, but in all sincerity, man, the fun factor has not been in the family and I'm implementing the fun factor and we're getting the memories going. If that's you, raise your hand. Awesome, awesome. Father, thank you so much for this house. God, thank you for 1910, Lord, these incredible people. And Lord, I pray as they made these commitments this morning that they live them out loud with their family. In Jesus' name, amen.